Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who is striving to play advanced level works one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week, we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging all the way from 18th century up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 15.3, the third episode in a series dedicated to exploring the many moods of Chopin, expressed through his Opus 28, which is a collection of 24 short preludes spanning a variety of musical tones. Today we're going to talk about two of these preludes, number 14 and number 15. Now these two are drastically different in tone, but they share a common weather-related theme. Any guesses? Tut tut, it looks like rain. That's right, Christopher Robin, it's rain. So as the little black rain clouds start rolling in, let's start this gloomy episode off with prelude number 14. Prelude 14 is one of the tonal outliers in the collection. It abandons Chopin's traditional melancholic sound for something that seems very un-Chopin-esque. It's written in the key of E-flat minor, which is one of the darkest of all the keys. E-flat minor, the key of deep distress, depression, and existential angst. The dark night of the soul. Fear. Hesitation. Shuddering goosebumps. The language of ghosts. So just by selecting this key, we're already in some gloomy territory. Von Bülow named this prelude Fear, which seems pretty fitting for a key based on ghosts and the dark night of the soul, whatever that means. It falls under the category of the scherzoidal preludes. The word scherzoidal is derived from the Italian word scherzo, meaning joke. They have the characteristics of a quick tempo and combine excitement or agitation with bleakness and otherworldliness, which is quite a combination, but it oddly fits this piece. The prelude is a brief, quick-moving assault of relentless triplets that do not give up the entire time. The piece is rhythmically monotonous, and both the left and right hands play the same exact rhythm. Actually, it goes a bit further than that, because the piece doesn't have any accompaniment. The left and right hands are playing the same exact notes. They're just set apart by an octave. Here are the opening bars played by the left hand. and the right hand. Same exact opening, just set apart by an octave. Here's what it sounds like, hands together. As you may have gathered from that opening section, the melody in this prelude is erratic, and it jumps up and down with little regard for classic rules of harmony. 
Chopin pretty much throws the compositional book out the window for this prelude, which is probably why it sounds unfamiliar for a Chopin work. Another name often gifted to this prelude is Stormy Sea, which I find even more fitting than Van Bulow's title of Fear. Even glancing at the sheet music with all of its ups and downs makes it look like sharp waves. It's only a brief storm that lasts less than a minute, however, and there's a short moment of reprieve at the end as the storm passes on. Even though this little prelude has only a single melodic line across two hands without accompaniment, it can sound dramatically different depending on who plays it. One of the major choices to make is how quickly to play it. Chopin marks the work allegro, meaning at a brisk tempo. But I've heard this work played quicker than that, and to great effect. The other point of consideration is which notes to emphasize. Chopin does not have any suggestions marked on the page, so the prelude is largely freeform in this interpretation. Personally, I'm a fan of the stormy sea imagery, so I like performances that give a rocky, swaying sensation. Out of the eight preludes that we're going to discuss throughout Series 15 on this podcast, this one was far and away the most difficult for me to learn. Even though it's one of the shorter ones, the melody is not at all intuitive to the ear, so it was difficult to determine if you even missed a note while you were practicing. It required a lot of painfully slow run-throughs to make sure you were hitting the right keys. The music is just impossible to sight-read because it jumps up and down and is riddled with added accidentals like naturals, flats, and double flats. It's probably easier to memorize than to read. But once you get a feel for it, it's actually really rewarding to play. It might be one of those musical works that is more fun for the player than the listener. And that's debatable. Here it is in its entirety. This is Prelude Number 14 in E flat minor from Chopin's Opus 28. Up next, we're going to shift from stormy seas to gentle raindrops. Chopin's Prelude 15 in D-flat major, or better known by Von Bülow's nickname of the Raindrop Prelude, is the most famous piece from Opus 28 and one of Chopin's most well-known works. Due to the grandeur of the piece, it is popularly used in movies like Face Off, Prometheus, Moonraker, Margin Call, and Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. And it was even used in the video game Halo 3. As we've discussed previously, Chopin and his live-in girlfriend, George Sand, who, 
By the way, her real name was Amantine, but she chose George Sand as her pen name because she thought her books would get more attention with the masculine name attached to them. But anyway, Chopin, George, and her two children from a previous marriage all lived in that secluded monastery during the composition of the preludes. And sometimes you just had to make your own fun. Sand and her two children liked to explore the dark monastery at night, lit only by the candles that they brought with them. But Chopin believed that the monastery was haunted. Sand wrote that she would return at night around 10 p.m., and Chopin would be in a state of dread, playing anxiety-induced music on the piano, which she described as terrible and heart-rending obsessions which had stolen over him in that hour of loneliness, sorrow, and fright. Chopin was prone to bouts of anxiety and fear, which is reflected in his work. One day, Sand and one of her children traveled to the neighboring city of Palma to go shopping. A torrential rainstorm hit the island and turned the paths into rivers while they were gone. Because of the travel conditions, the trip took much longer than they anticipated. And since they didn't have the invention of the telephone, there was no way to notify poor anxious Chopin waiting at home. They arrived back at the monastery late in the evening, shoeless and soaked. Chopin was assured that they were dead. He sat at the piano that evening and imagined himself drowned in a lake with heavy ice drops falling rhythmically on his chest. And this, according to George Sand, was the night that he wrote the raindrop prelude. She writes, His composition that evening was full of raindrops resonating on the tiles of the monastery. Now Chopin balked at the idea that his notes were imitations of nature. He thought the idea was juvenile, and that it undercut his genius. And we take this whole story with a grain of salt, because Sand wrote this account 15 years after Chopin died. So she conveniently had carte blanche to write, as nobody else alive could dispute her story. As history goes, this is a story that survives and surrounds Prelude Number 15. Even though Chopin is probably rolling in his grave and is annoyed that one of his works was assigned the title of Raindrop Prelude, and it's one of the defining milestones of his compositional career. So what is inside Prelude number 15? Well, this is not only Chopin's most famous prelude, but it's also the longest one. Chopin chose the key of D-flat major, which is the key of grief and depression. Rapture and sadness, a grimacing key of choking back tears. It is capable of a laugh or a smile to pacify those around, but the truth is in despair. It's kind of a downer for a major key, but it really fits this prelude. Number 15 falls under the category of the nocturnal preludes meaning it's a piece evocative of the night. It's been a while since we've talked about a nocturne, all the way back to episode 7.2. 
but most of Chopin's nocturnes are written in rounded binary form of A-B-A, and this prelude follows suit. A majority of Chopin's preludes are singularly focused and do not really take the time to explore areas of contrast, but the A and B sections of this prelude are dramatically different. What ties this prelude together, however, is the consistent, soft repetition of the key of A-flat. And I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but I'm on their side, Chopin. It sounds like rain to me. You can hear this repetitive A-flat running in the background throughout a majority of the prelude, providing the mood of a rainy evening. Part A is quintessential Chopin, and it's easy to understand why this prelude is so well known and helped construct our idea of his sound. It's a beautiful lyric melody, adorned by occasional complex ornaments. It's nostalgic and bittersweet, a style that Chopin mastered throughout his career. Then part B takes a turn to darkness. Chopin alters the key from D-flat major to C-sharp minor, but still keeps that same note of rain to make it sound whole and continuous. This section sends the melody to the left-handed bass, evoking feelings of dread and nighttime. Some suggest that the section may resemble the evening chanting of the monks in the monastery. It's a theory I can get on board with, because when the B section climaxes, it sounds like the monastery bells make an appearance once again. Then, to round out the rounded binary form, we take a return to the brighter A section, back to the D-flat major key. And it feels like the despair has lifted. If the story leading up to this prelude is to be believed, this would probably be the part where Sand returns home safely. And the prelude reflects this by putting those dark emotions to bed, while the gentle rain pitters out quietly. This is the Raindrop Prelude, number 15 in D-flat major, from Chopin's Opus 28.
Well, I checked the national weather forecast today, and if you're listening to this episode on the day of its release, I think you should be rain-free. I mean, unless you live in Florida. It's probably going to rain there today. But that's not news to you, I'm sure. Next week, we will wrap up this series on Chopin with our last pairing of preludes. Until then. You can find the standalone recordings of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or giving a five-star review. It's also the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears, and remember, the piano keys may be black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.